From Given, this is Purposing, the podcast that lifts the lid on how to run a truly purpose-driven business. I'm Becky Willen, and with the help of leaders from some of the world's most recognized brands, I'll be demystifying this often misunderstood topic into clear, actionable advice you can use in your own business. This week, I'm joined by Tom Berry, Global Director for Sustainable Business at Farfetch, the luxury fashion platform that connects customers in over 190 countries with over 1,400 of the world's best brands, boutiques, and department stores. Through this conversation, you'll learn how to identify the biggest opportunities to drive profit with purpose, build the right tools and mindsets to help you grow sustainably, and stay focused on the things that make the biggest difference. Before I speak with Tom, let's take a quick look back to learn where his 25-year career in sustainability really started. My guest on this episode had purpose in his veins from a young age. I happen to know a relative who worked for Oxfam, reasonably senior in quite a big charity, and I basically called her up and said, oh, I really want to work for a charity. How do I get, how do I do that? Early in his life, Tom was already thinking about how to make a difference in society, years before any conversation around purpose had begun. And it was his choice of degree that planted a seed of sustainability. I did a geography degree university and there was a sustainable development course within that so I was always really interested in it and that kind of interrelationship between society and and the environment. After graduating he spent three years working in strategy consulting a far cry from his purpose-driven work today. He then moved down under where he first dipped his toe in sustainability working for Sydney's Institute for Sustainable Futures. On returning to the UK he joined charity Forum for the Future Here, he saw what purpose-driven companies can do. The speed of change which you can get within businesses if you find an idea which works, which aligns with their business goals, therefore brings investments. Businesses can change quite quickly compared to public policy, which takes a long time to change. He diversified his career, working first at Innocent Smoothies, then at consumer goods company Kimberly-Clark. As head of sustainability, he had the power to impact global supply chains. But it was when online fashion retailer Farfetch came calling that he tied up all the threads, truly igniting a passion for purpose. That blank sheet of paper doesn't come along very often in anyone's career, I guess. And so that was really exciting. And then the opportunity for change, the core of Farfetch being this platform for a whole industry was really exciting. Tom, can you set the scene for us? What is the Farfetch purpose and and what does that really look like in practice for the business? Farfetch was um, founded by a guy called Jose Neves and he founded it mainly because he he absolutely loved fashion and it's about connecting all of the different bits of that industry. So connecting, we call it the curators, creators and consumers of fashion. So the the guy, the brands, the creators of the fashion, the curators, so the amazing shops and boutiques around the world who pick and choose those brands to sell to their consumers and then our direct connection with the with the consumers. I guess from a commercial perspective, what do you see as the big gains for pursuing a more purpose-driven 
strategy that has sustainability and inclusivity, I guess, to to an extent at the heart of it. And specifically in, in the luxury fashion space, which I think has for a long time perhaps not been as comfortable embracing conversations around sustainability. So what's the business opportunity in that space as you see it? We know from the from the data that we've seen that consumers in the industry, so luxury consumers as as much as other consumers, are increasingly worried and cared about sustainability and want to include that within their both shopping and the way that they consume things, but also luxury fashion. And so having a focus on enabling them to choose better enables us to serve those consumers better. So serve them in terms of their fashion choices in terms of the services which they might want to use. And we also know that the industry has massively woken up in the last five, 10 years. You know, arguably it was probably behind some of the other industries in this space five, 10 years ago. But in that time and the time I've been at Farfetch, it's changed quite dramatically. So the the brands and the, the boutiques or the shops are kind of alive to the agenda, but often don't know where or how to focus or how to reach consumers. So it allows us to serve them better. So those are our two key customer bases. And so when we talk about helping both brands and consumers make positive choices, can you talk about what that really looks like in practice? So what are the main shifts or nudges that you're trying to help create? And and what are the ways that you're doing that? What kind of role, I guess, is Farfetch playing in making that happen? Yeah, so from the consumer side, we, we've got a wider assortment of products on farfetch.com than kind of any other online luxury retailer. And until we have this kind of clear purpose and kind of mission around enabling more positive choices, we weren't really doing anything to flag and enable consumers to shop from the better products. So we've done a lot of work in the last five years just to kind of make that journey easier for them. So doing some simple things, you know, providing a filter on site. So if they're shopping for a new jacket or a t-shirt, they can filter and see the more conscious product. We've provided the information so that customers can understand why a product is conscious and trust in that. So providing the information on kind of what certifications it holds or why it's made of better materials and what those better materials deliver for either people or the planet. We created a fashion footprint tool to help people understand what the benefits are of buying either more conscious products so product made of better materials or pre-owned products so we have we've had pre-owned secondhand items on the platform for over 10 years now and again you know it was just another category on farfetch and now we've just made it easier to understand for those consumers who care like why buying into pre-owned is a better choice so there's just been a whole host of things we've done to try and make it easier and more exciting to shop more conscious luxury fashion for consumers. And then for brands, it's it's really been about offering to them the platform, the ability to reach those consumers with the better products which they're developing. You know, it's the brands who have been investing in better materials, in better ways of manufacturing, in better supply chain setup. And we offer a really exciting fashion platform for people to come on and buy luxury fashion. And are you able to quantify in any way what the business value of all of this work is, either in terms of new propositions that you've brought to market or new services, or even just in terms of the shifts in the way that consumers are spending and what they're choosing to to buy from the platform? 
yeah, we've seen on the kind of conscious products side, like higher conversion rates, more full price sales, faster growth. So we know that consumers are, are kind of searching for and kind of shopping into those kind of products more often. So yeah, really good commercial metrics on that side. And then, yeah, I haven't talked about, we've launched services for consumers to help them effectively resell or clear their wardrobes. So we, we've launched a service called Farfetch Second Life, which enables customers to resell their handbags through Farfetch. We work with a bunch of different partners around the world to offer the service. And the customers which use those services come back and shop more often at Farfetch. They tend to be more valuable customers. So they spend more over the lifetime. When they're coming back and, and shopping, they actually spend higher amounts. So yeah, there's lots of really good commercial metrics to support the growth of both more conscious product sales, but also more what we call circular services. It's brilliant to hear because I think, you know, you've got, we tell a lot of our clients that over the long term, if they pay more attention on thinking about purpose and not just simply profit maximization or kind of sales maximization in the short term, then that it will pay off over the long term. So it's brilliant to know that that's being borne out in the far-fetched business. You know, there is a sense still in a lot of businesses that purpose and sustainability can be really seen as constraining factors and a, a real barrier to growth. So can you talk a bit about the, the journey that's helped you bust those myths internally just over the last couple of years? How have you approached that? Who did you engage? Sort of how did you, how have you been able to make such a strong case, I guess, for there being a really strong commercial opportunity in all of this? There's so, there's so many different things you can do on sustainability in a business. You know, as you, you well know, like it's a big subject deliberately. But as a business, I think having a really clear focus on the key things that you can enable and key things that you can change within your business or the industry which you work in is, is absolutely fundamental. And the way in which we chose the core things to focus on, so the, the four pillars of what we call our positively far-fetched strategy, was around the core areas which both had a big environmental or social impact. So the things which we felt we were going to be able to drive most change in against some of the key kind of issues in the world, but also the things where we felt like we were going to drive most business value. So you know, we have a focus on a pillar called cleaner, which is about really focus on driving down carbon emissions throughout our whole business. And and that is obviously a massive issue. One of the key sustainability issues to tackle in the world is it was a big issue for us because we're a global company and we ship products all around the world. So inherently have a quite a big carbon footprint. But focusing on it also helps us drive efficiency and helps us drive cost reduction. Same thing with the conscious pillar. So we're trying to enable our consumers to buy into more conscious products. That is the way, like we do, we're we not a brand, you know, we, we we have a brand group within our our business. And so we work with them more like a kind of normal brand, but in the main, we're a marketplace platform model. So the way in which we can influence better social and environmental outcomes in the supply chain is by demonstrating 
the kind of value of those products to consumers and meeting consumers' needs. So it was a way in which we could drive real impact, but also a way in which we could grow our business. Same thing with services. We are a platform technology-driven business who has amazing connections to 3 million consumers around the world with amazing, therefore, connections to 3 million wardrobes around the world. And so we could play a really valuable role in getting those unused clothes and fashion items out of those wardrobes tackling a big issue in fashion around the use of clothing, but it also enabled us to serve those customers in different ways and make money in different ways. You know, I think setting the, the right strategy and designing business value as well as societal value into that, I think is key. But I think there's there's still a big difference between, you know, having a, a great strategy that feels purpose-driven and then being a truly purpose-driven organization. And I think for, for me, one of the key differences is the extent to which that idea really drives decision making. So it would be great to hear about some of the the big decisions, I guess, that have been made, the big changes that have happened within the organization as a result of, of this focus. It's a tough question because, you know, I look back at the, at the time, the, you know, the kind of five years which have been there, I feel like we've made amazing progress, like we've done some really good things, you know, launched these two amazing services for customers driven the growth of the kind of conscious product sales significantly, you know, three or four times the scale they were before, and significantly reduced the carbon footprint of particularly like logistics bit of the business. But it's actually been lots of small <laughs> changes to do that. So one of the best things which we've done is actually just try and build it into business as usual practices within the company. So the logistics team, they were already working on efficiency. You know, they were already trying to make the business as cost efficient as possible. What we did was add a carbon layer to that and adding it added an additional element of the decision making when they're when they're taking a call on the type of packaging which they're going to use and whether they can make it more efficient. And even adding an additional form of communication. You know, we, they were already working with how can they persuade their the kind of boutique partners and brand partners to use more efficient packaging because we knew that would help us we knew it would help them but adding a layer of look and this is actually going to do a really good thing you know it's actually going to help not just costs it's also going to help the planet it kind of gives an added incentive but it's just built into something which they're already doing in my experience there are sort of two things that are required to do that successfully you've you've got to integrate purpose and sustainability into the tools and frameworks and the processes and ways of working. But then you've also got to make sure that people have got the mindset that means that they are actively engaged and make those positive decisions as well. And I think you need the two to work together. So it would be great to hear a bit more about what you've done on that engagement side of things internally. How have you mobilized people across the world and very different teams to help you drive that shift. I guess the first thing to say is I feel like we're still at the start of the journey. Like I've been I've been very positive, but yeah, I think there is a is a lot to do both within Farfetch and the industry as a whole in terms of embedding it in the culture of the industry and within Farfetch. You know, it's kind of it is hard, like and it's hard for all the different, you know, we've got 6,000 people globally. It's hard for them to understand and think about, okay, what could I do differently here to make this business more sustainable? But having said that, the, the things which we that we have done 
I guess on the kind of harder side is putting in place good governance metrics. So trying to build sustainability into our objectives and key results, which is a kind of how every year and half year we set effectively targets for the company internally and so building, making sure that sustainability is core within those, represented within those, and then they filter down. So trying to make sure those targets are built into the core business uh, results required by all all the different bits of the Farfetch business. And then at the very top level, a couple of years ago now, founded an ESG committee at the board. So there was kind of this very top level, you know, the highest level in the company, a group who are responsible for overseeing effectively the progress towards the goals. So yeah, there's a bunch of harder stuff, I guess, which we're trying to build in. But actually a lot of the work uh, done is on the softer side. So just on the communication, constant reminders, uh, engaging with teams directly on the initiatives which they're working on, which we feel have big opportunity in terms of potential change from a sustainability perspective. So yeah, but that's that's partly what makes it hard because it's hard within a big organization when you're a relatively small sustainability team. What have been the the things that have felt more like wins at the time versus the stuff that perhaps was harder than expected? I think the biggest win internally, to be honest, which yeah, I don't know whether I expected at the time. We set the strategy out, but we didn't set the the 2030 goals out immediately. I can't quite remember the timeline, but I think it was like a year or two later. So we were really clear on what we wanted to do, but never had a clear North Star on where we wanted to get to. And setting those 2030 goals, you know, it's a process we went through every year with the the exec and other bits of the business. And it was really important to kind of set that stall out publicly, I think, you know, kind of holding ourselves to account. I think the biggest impact it had and has had is internally. You know, I think the employee base is very tangible then for them. You know, not many people are want to or that engaged in reading a strategy document or a kind of long manifesto for what you want to do on sustainability and how it affects all the different bits of the business. But they got the, you know, there's kind of four goals, four pillars, four key goals. It was a pretty simple way of thinking. And they were clearly ambitious. And I think that galvanized quite a lot of the employee base. And uh, it still does today. You know, there's, I still hear it reflected on, you know, are we, you know, are we on track for the 2030 goals? And what are we doing to make sure we meet the 2030 goal? You know, it's kind of, it's, it's almost um, been more impactful internally than it was externally, even though we launched them publicly to kind of hold ourselves to account. Externally, I guess, Farfetch plays a fairly unique role in the luxury fashion sector in, in the sense that you are that connector between consumers and brands. And I guess that does give you a real opportunity to play a role in catalyzing change in the industry more generally. So what have you learned about what works in trying to do that and, and, and what doesn't? I guess the key things which have worked, one is just keeping it simple. So not changing the message particularly. So the kind of message which we give internally to staff, to externally, to stakeholders and investors is the same message which we give to the kind of brands and boutiques we work with. We keep the same framework of discussion that kind of works in all forums, but then also to come with solutions. So not just asking them what they're going to do or how they can, but to actually deliver some actually useful tools. So we just last year launched something called Good Measures. So one of the ways in which we qualify conscious product on farfetch.com is working with an amazing company called Good On You who rates fashion brands. It's a really comprehensive 
rating based on 400, 500 different indicators, which are all based on kind of independent criteria. So a really kind of robust framework. They do it for consumers. So good on you as a consumer tool app. We worked with them to build uh, an app effectively or a, a kind of tool for brands so that they could see how they rated understand where the key areas which they could improve. So it's kind of, it is a solution. We are now rolling that out across our brand partner base. So it's it's kind of a, a really tangible tool hub, which we can give to brands, which we've sponsored with Good and You, which was a core part of our conscious criteria. So it's kind of very aligned to what we were trying to do, the messages which we were trying to give. So yeah, that's one great example. The other thing is just, again, just leaning into the strategy which we had around services. So we launched the service for ourselves through farfetch.com, this Farfetch Second Life service, enabling our consumers to do it. Again, the vision of Farfetch about being a platform, we built that service for ourselves. We've now bought one of the companies, one of the partners which we were working in to deliver that service for ourselves in order that we can then service the industry. So we can now run resale for other bits of the industry. So the company bought we bought was called Luxclusive, and they run resale for Selfridges and a bunch of other retailers. And we're now rolling out that service to other boutiques. So we recently launched with a boutique set of shops in Italy called Modes, who've long been a partner of Farfetch. And we're now running the resale service for them. So it's again, it's like a really tangible service. It's a solution for businesses who want to get into, but don't know how to get into the whole growing area of pre-owned fashion as well as keeping the message simple, just work on like tangible solutions to that you can offer to businesses and brands. I think that combination of really tangible, effective solutions and really simple, focused engagement seems to be a thread that actually runs through a lot of what you're doing at Farfetch in terms of how you're engaging consumers, brands, but also the stuff that you're doing internally to sort of move the dial. There's a lot of stuff to do and sustainability is in itself a huge topic, as we know. So, you know, how do you make sure that you stay focused on the activities that are really going to drive the biggest impact? And what does that look like, especially considering that, like most sustainability teams, you know, you're a fairly sort of small, agile team working in a big business that's moving at quite a pace. You know, hopefully we'll expand it to other categories shortly, but we deliberately focused on handbags, partly because it's easy in the pre-owned category, you know, it's or easier than apparel because it's... We haven't got to deal with kind of sizing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 all of those things, <laughs> but partly because it's one of the highest value areas of, of luxury fashion you know, maintains its value and therefore they're, they're a bigger kind of commercial opportunity. So hopefully we can build from that and start tackling other categories, but demonstrating the kind of commercial benefits allowed us to drive both a kind of units goal and also a, a commercial goal. So, and again, on carbon, it's like, yes, we want to drive carbon reductions and laser focused on that, but okay, the way in which we prioritize projects tends to be around, particularly in logistics, is around what cost saving is it going to deliver? So, you know, there's a stack rank of things that we could do. And some projects float to the top because, yes, they have really good carbon emission savings, but they also have the biggest cost savings. So there's kind of laser focus on those combined dual metrics of kind of sustainability benefit, but only three we're really focused on and a kind of commercial benefit. As we've talked about, you've got some really 
big goals to meet by 2030. So um, what's what's the plan for making sure that you are able to maintain that effort and momentum over the next, you know, six or seven years to to hit those? Yeah, I'd love to say there was a really clearly marked plan for the next six or seven years. We, we do a three-year strategy setting process within the whole business. That's what we do. So every bit of the business does a three-year strategy setting process. And so we're not, we're not different in that. We set the kind of goals and therefore pipeline of initiatives, which will help us deliver those goals for sustainability. So, you know, we can focus on that, I think, over the more generally over that time period, because I know what's happened over the last five years is actually just seeing what works and leaning into that. So, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily assumed that when because we launched with good on you doing the assessment of products almost as soon as we set the strategy i met sandra and gordon there and you know i wouldn't have necessarily assumed that then okay well the natural progression of that is launching a tool for brands but it kind of it worked we lent into it it's a really robust program it made a lot of sense we were already talking to brands about it a lot of the questions we were getting from brands are around well why is our rating so poor? What can we do to improve? So it kind of, it was a need which came and then it was like, okay, well, if we can drive brands to do that, then it will help us in terms of driving more conscious supply onto the platform. So yeah, kind of seeing what works and and leaning into it. The same with the kind of resale space, you know, again, it wasn't always a plan to like buy a company doing B2B resale, but again, it was we saw that it worked. We've proven the model for ourselves. The company that we were working with, they're great guys, the two founders there. And it worked alongside our business strategy in terms of delivering services for other brands. So yeah, I feel like that's going to be the way we've got a really clear set of things we want to try and achieve. But I think it'll be about, well, seeing what works. Some of them won't. And what do you think is possible? What is the ambition that you have? And how, honestly, how quickly do you think it's possible to get there. The reason I'm really excited about being at Farfetch is because it is this this platform. So we now have these connections to thousands of brands, some of the biggest luxury retailers on the market. You know, we run the e-commerce for Harrods, seem to run it for Name and Marcus Group and Ferragamo, the Richemont brands, <laughs> Wynap Netta Porter. So we've got this amazing set of partners like who we we enable through the the platform so if we can get it right and get alignment and work out what works for those businesses then the ability to have kind of rapid transformational change is is huge but as i said we haven't like solved that there isn't it's still not at the scale where all of those partners or even within farfetch that were kind of going yeah, it's just a nonstop train of positivity. Like it's uh, it's still hard, like the getting change happening internally and then within the industry is still really difficult. I still think it's it's a new area, but the potential is there. Like it's an exciting place to be. Well, Tom, it's been such a pleasure having you on Purposing. Thank you very much. No worries. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thanks again to Tom. Lots of brilliant insight there. So here are a few things that I've taken from the conversation. Focus on the practical, tangible solutions that make it easy for people to make purpose-driven choices, whether they're your leaders, partners, or even your customers. If you anchor this in the business you're in, it's the best way to ensure that there's no trade-off between purpose and profit. 
Internally, you've also got to create the right conditions. Communicating a clear, simple message consistently is key, and it's likely to land even more powerfully if it's in the outside world too. But don't reinvent the wheel. There are amazing purpose-driven startups out there already, like Good On You, who are open to partnerships that can help them achieve real impact and scale. If you'd like more practical advice on building a purpose-driven business with brilliant insights from people like Tom, download our Insider's Guide to Purpose at givenagency.com forward slash insider's guide.